A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim We begin from ayah number 125 Wa id ja'alna al-bayta mathabatan lin-nasi wa amna And remember when we made the house al-bayta the house we made it as a mathabatan as a place of return for who lin-nasi for all people wa amna and also a security meaning a place where the people were secure which house is this? Which al-bayt is this? This bayt refers to Baytullah, the Kaaba. Where is it? In Makkah, in the area of Hijaz. The Prophet ﷺ is being told that, remember this, mention this to the people, that when we made the house, meaning the Kaaba, the Baytullah, and we made it what? Mathabatan linnas wa amna. What does it mean by mathaba? Mathaba is from the root letters sa ba And saub literally means to return. To fold, to put one thing on the other, to go back. So for example, your thawb, your clothes, what do you do with them? You fold them. So mathaba is the place of return. It is marjir. Mathaba, a place of return. Meaning a place where people keep returning to. They keep going back to. What does it mean by this? That we made the Baytullah mathabatan linnas. The house of Allah, al-Kaaba, it is mathaba linnas in two ways. First of all, it is mathaba linnas that people return to it from all places on this earth. How? Physically. Meaning they keep going back to it with their bodies. So for example, a person goes for umrah. He comes back home and he goes again for hajj. And he comes back and then he goes again and then he goes again. As many times as he is able to. There are so many people who go to Makkah once and they want to go again and again and again. And some people, they make it their habit that every year or every other year, every five years, whenever possible, they will definitely go to the house of Allah. How? Physically. Mathaba. It's a place of return. How many other places are there in this world that people return to like they return to the Kaaba? There is no other place like that. People will go visit a place once and they will say, yeah, yeah, I've seen that place. But hardly, hardly anybody will say this about Makkah. That yeah, we have been there once. We don't need to go again. No. It's a mathabah linnas. And it's also mathabah that people return to it, not with their bodies, but with their qulub, with their hearts. How is that? That every time we stand in prayer, no matter where we are on this earth, where do we turn to? What direction are we facing? The qibla. Where is the qibla? It is the Kaaba. So every time we stand in prayer and we figure out where the qibla is, what comes to our minds, what comes to our hearts? The Kaaba, the Baytullah. Is there any other place that people think about every single day, five times a day? No other place. So, who has made the Baytullah Mathaba? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it. And also it is wa amna. Amn, Hamza, Meem, Noon. Amn is safety, security. So Allah made the house safe and secure, meaning a place where people's properties, their lives are also safe. Any person who goes to the haram, we are not allowed to harm them, we are not allowed to abuse them, we are not allowed to harm their property, nothing at all. And we learned that even in the time of jahiliyyah, if a person met the killer of his father even in the haram, he wouldn't touch him. He wouldn't do anything to him. So even the greatest criminal would be safe in the haram. Because it's a place where anybody and everybody are safe. Nobody is to be harmed. Nobody's property is to be harmed. Nobody is to be abused in any way. So who has made this about the haram? 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa is ja'alna al-bayta mathabatan lil-nasi wa amna. And it's not just that the people are saved, but even the trees, the animals, the creatures over there, even they are safe. You cannot even harm them. وَاتَّخِذُوا And you all should take, Allah commands us, that you should take, مِنْ from مَقَامِ Ibrahim, the standing place of Ibrahim, musalla, a place of prayer. What is مُقَام? قَاف وَاو ميم. قَامَ يَقُومُ It means to stand. And this word that you see over here, مَقَام, it is the place of standing. What is it? The place of standing. So the standing place of who? Of Ibrahim a.s. What is the standing place of Ibrahim a.s.? It is understood in two ways. First of all, in the general sense. Any place where Ibrahim a.s. stood and worshipped Allah. Whether it was around the Kaaba, or it was at Mina, or it was at Arafah, or it was at Muzdalifah. Any place where Ibrahim a.s. stood and worshipped Allah. What is that? Maqam of Ibrahim a.s. Because it's a standing place. So Allah tells us, take that place as what? Musalla. What is Musalla? A place of prayer, a place of worship. So in the general sense, wherever Ibrahim stood to worship Allah, what should you do? You should also stand there and worship Allah. And that is exactly why we go for Hajj. That is exactly why we stand at Arafah, we stay at Muzdalifah, we stay at Mina. Why? Because Ibrahim also worshipped Allah over there. So وَاتَّخِذُوا مِن مَقَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ مُصَلَّى Secondly, in the specific sense, what is this maqam Ibrahim? The standing place of Ibrahim? It's that place where Ibrahim stood in order to build the Kaaba. It is a place where he stood in order to build the Kaaba. We learned that there was a particular rock on which Ibrahim stood. And by the idhan of Allah, that rock would go up and down so that Ibrahim could construct the Kaaba. Because obviously there were no ladders. There was nothing in which Ibrahim could go high up and then build the walls of the Kaaba. So, that was the maqam where he stood and Allah caused that stone to go up and down. So that place where he stood, take that place as a musalla, as a place of prayer, meaning as a place of performing salah. And this is why when we perform the tawaf, whether it's in umrah or hajj, what are we supposed to do after that? We're supposed to perform two rakah salah, where? By the maqam of Ibrahim You may have seen in many pictures, there are people who are praying very close to the Kaaba, right by the Maqam Ibrahim. And Maqam Ibrahim, now it's encased in glass, so that people can see it inside. That how the rock even has the imprints of his feet embedded in it, till today. So Maqam Ibrahim, take that place as a place of Salah. Because that is a place where Ibrahim worshipped Allah. That is a place where he stood and he built the Kaaba. What does it show? That Allah appreciated the efforts of Ibrahim so much that He has commanded the last ummah to not forget those places. Stand there and worship Allah just as Ibrahim stood and worshipped Allah. It shows how much Allah liked the worship of Ibrahim وَاتَّخِذُوا مِن مَقَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ مُصَلَّى With regards to the maqam of Ibrahim where the imprints of his feet are there, with regards to that, we're just supposed to go and pray by that site. Not to touch it and seek barakah through it or go around it doing tawaf. No. We do tawaf only around the Kaaba. Not around anywhere else. Inshallah we will learn that from the verses that are coming. Wahidna ila Ibrahim. And we commanded Ibrahim salam. Ahida means to take a promise. But when the word ahida is followed by ila, do you see the word ila over here? It means to command, to give a very important wasiyah, to give a very important instruction to someone. So, وَعَهِدْنَا إِلَىٰ Allah commanded, gave a very important instruction to who? Ibrahim wa Ismail. 
to Ibrahim as well as Ismail Why both of them? Because when Ibrahim was constructing the Kaaba, who was with him? His son Ismail. Ismail where was he? He grew up in Makkah. So when he grew up, Ibrahim was told to go back. And when he went back, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded that he should construct the Kaaba over there. So when he was constructing the Kaaba, who was helping him? His son Ismail. So both of them, when they were building the Kaaba, Allah commanded them that Antahira bayti, that both of you should clean my house. Tahira, Tahira. This is a command. And notice the Alif at the end, this is for dual, for Tathniya. Both of you should clean. What does Tahara mean? Cleanliness. So both of you should clean Bayti, my house, meaning the Kaaba. Notice how Allah calls it my house. Why does Allah call it his house? To give honor to that house. Not that Allah needs to live, na'udhu billah. No. Baytullah. Why is it called Baytullah? Because that bayt is being honored in this way. This is just like the she camel that was sent to people. Allah calls it Naqatullah. The she camel of Allah. Because Allah sent it. So similarly, Baytullah. It's the place where Allah is to be worshipped. So, Antahira bayti. Clean my house. From what? From two things. Physical impurity and intangible impurity. Physical impurity, what is that? What is physical impurity? Any filth. Remember mud is not impure. Okay, we think dust or mud is dirt. And that's why we call it dirt. It's not dirty. Mud is not dirty. It's clean. Which is why we can also perform tayammum with it. It doesn't mean that it should never be dusty. and No. If it's made of mud, now you see marble floors over there, but there was a time when there were no marble. It was all mud. So it doesn't mean get rid of all the mud. No. What does it mean by this? What is physical impurity? Meaning anything that is unclean in the physical sense. For example, nobody at all should use the washroom over there. No. Similarly, when a person goes into the haram, then how should he go? In clothes that are clean. Because if your clothes are not clean, then obviously that place is going to get dirty as well. So physical impurities, get rid of them in the haram. Secondly, intangible impurity. What are intangible impurities? Meaning it's not physically something that is dirty, that has germs on it. No, it's something that you consider dirty, you consider bad. Like for example, an action that is not good. You say this is bad action. Does it have germs on it? No. Why do you say bad action? Because it's not good. It's filthy. It's impure. It's unacceptable. So what are some of the examples of intangible impurity? Can you think of something? For example, worship of idols. Worship of other than Allah. This is something that is not clean. This is something that is impure. This is why we learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that after a particular time in the life of the Prophet ﷺ, after that, the mushrikeen were not allowed to enter the haram. Because if the mushrikeen would enter, they would come with their shirki rituals, right? With their polytheistic rituals. And all of them are unclean. And even physically in a way they're unclean because they involve a lot of filthy things. For example, when they would slaughter their animals for their gods, they would slaughter them and pour blood and just leave it there. Similarly people, if they consider a particular animal holy, they will use its urine to bless themselves. It's intangible impurity as well as physical impurity involved in that. So, tahira bayti. Tahira bayti. Get rid of all physical impurities as well as all intangible impurities. There should be nothing filthy in the house of Allah. Why? Because it is the place of worship. So clean it for who? For the worshippers. Which worshippers? Littaifin. Attaifin is a plural of tawaf. It's from the root letters ta wa fa. Tafa yatufu is to go around. 
And tawaf is what? To go around the Kaaba. How many times do you go around the Kaaba when you're doing tawaf? Seven times. And notice how it has been said, أَنْطَهِرَ بَيْتِي لِلْطَائِفِينَ So where people do tawaf? Only in the house of Allah, around the Kaaba. In other words, you cannot do tawaf of anything else. You're only supposed to do tawaf of what? The house of Allah. Not Maqam Ibrahim, not anything else. And you can only do tawaf where? In Baytullah. So if a person says, okay, I'm in Canada, I want to do tawaf, so let me start walking this way. I know the Kaaba is on my left, so let me start walking this way. And yeah, I will take a huge circle of the entire world. That's not tawaf, please. Don't go on that journey. <laughs> Secondly, it will not have any religious significance whatsoever. Because tawaf is where? Only in Bayti. Only in the masjid. Only in Masjid al-Haram. So even if a person does tawaf outside of Masjid al-Haram, will it be accepted? No, you have to be inside. It has to be in the masjid. So the people are going to come and do tawaf. If the masjid is dirty, then how can they do tawaf? They cannot do it. Just imagine, if you go to the haram to worship Allah, and you find the place filthy, will you want to worship Allah over there? No. If you have a bad experience over there, you will remember it. It will be very difficult for you to go back. And this is why may Allah bless all those people who clean the haram, who are cleaning the haram 24-7. They don't stop anytime. Anytime you go to the Kaaba, you will always find people in uniform, busy cleaning, constantly cleaning. And that's one of the most honorable, honorable jobs that a person can ever have. Cleaning the house of Allah. Imagine Allah told His Prophet Ibrahim to clean the house. And we think that if we ever have to clean the masjid, we are being humiliated. Not at all. This is not humiliation. This is an honor that Allah bestowed even to Ibrahim a.s. Many times it happens that if we go to a masjid or you go to an Islamic center and many people want to volunteer over there. And if somebody is given the duty of making sure things are clean, they think that they haven't been valued. That they're being humiliated in this way. This is not wrong. This is something that is greatly rewardable. We learn about this woman who used to clean the masjid of the Prophet wasallam. She would just come and clean the masjid. Why? Because people used to worship Allah over there. And when she passed away, the Prophet ﷺ did not see her for some time. He asked, where is she? The people said, yeah, she died, so we buried her. And he said, why didn't you tell me? So he went to her grave and he prayed for her. What was special about her? The fact that she cleaned the masjid. So never ever look down on it. And never ever think that you have to be given a duty in order to clean the masjid. No, you can even do it otherwise. I'm not saying that go up in the janitor room wherever you are in a masjid and start going through their stuff and ruin their order. No. What I mean is that if you ever see something dirty anywhere, pick it up, clean it. Don't think that somebody else will come and do it. Because the moment we say somebody else will do it, then who does it? Nobody does it. So whether you see a tissue fallen in the classroom, something in the cafeteria, remember this is all masjid. A place where Allah is remembered, a place where Allah is worshipped. So tahira bayti lita'ifin wal akifin. Akifin is a plural of akif. Akif. And akif ain kafa. This is from the word irtikaf. Have you heard of the word irtikaf? What is irtikaf? When a person goes to the masjid, secludes himself in order to worship Allah. So irtikaf is what? When a person goes for a retreat, where in the masjid? So he stays in the masjid during the day, during the night, he doesn't go to the mall. He doesn't go out to the streets. But what does he do? He stays in the masjid. And what is he doing? Sleeping? Is he there to sleep? To have fun with all the friends and play different games? Foosball and all of that? 
What is a person supposed to do in irtikaf? Worship Allah. Dhikr. Quran. So those people who come to do tawaf in the masjid, those people who do irtikaf in the masjid, وَالرُّكَّعِ السُّجُودِ Rukar plural of rakir. Who is rakir? One who does rukur. And as-sujood plural of sajid. One who does sajda. Who are rukar and as-sujood? Those people who are performing the salah. Because when do you do rukur and when do you do sajda? When you are standing in prayer. Right? When you are performing the salah. So clean the masjid. For who? Those who do tawaf, those who do i'tikaf, and those who do rukur and sujood, meaning those who perform the salah. Warrukar sujood. Let's listen to the recitation. وَإِذْ جَعَلْنَا الْبَيْتَ مَثَابَةً لِلنَّاسِ وَأَمْنًا وَاتَّخِذُوا مِن مَّقَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ مُصَلًّى وَعَهِدْنَا إِلَى إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْمَاعِيلَ أَن طَهِّرَا بَيْتِي أَن طَهِّرَا بَيْتِيَ لِلطَّائِفِينَ وَالْعَاكِفِينَ وَالرُّكَّعِ السُّجُودِ If you look at this ayah, first ta'ifin are mentioned, then aakifin are mentioned, and then arrukkar sujood are mentioned. Al-ta'ifin is a plural of ta'if. Those who do tawaf. What's the best action that you can do in Baytullah? The best good deed. You know that? If you're in the haram and you've prayed your fad salah, now you have the option of either doing tawaf or sitting down reciting the Qur'an or standing up and praying nafal salah. What's the best deed that you can do? Tawaf. This is why tawaf is mentioned first. And then, aakifin. Aakifin is mentioned. Tawaf is to be done only in Baytullah. Irtikaf can be done in any masjid. And a rukkar sujood, this can be done, salah can be performed where? Anywhere. Because, جُعِلَتْ لِيَ الْأَرْضُ مَسْجِدًا وَطَهُورًا The entire earth has been made a place of worship for this ummah. So, tawaf you perform only in the haram, irtikaf you perform in any masjid, and salah you perform anywhere. Even in your house, or even on the street, or even in the mall, anywhere you are. Irtikaf is in a masjid, it's not in the house. Even for the women, if they wish to do irtikaf, they have to go in a masjid. It doesn't mean go sit in the men's section, but in a women's section, wherever the arrangements are made, you have to do it in a masjid. And if a person does not find such a place, then he's not obligated because irtikaf is not mandatory. This is just like a person says that I would love to do tawaf, but I can't go to Makkah because I can't afford, so can I do it here? You can't do it here. For certain acts of worship, there are certain times and there are certain places. And you cannot do them in other places, you cannot do them at other times. When it comes to ibadah, there are certain conditions that you have to fulfill. So if a woman does not find a masjid where there is a woman's facility where she can do irtikaf, then she doesn't have to do it. And inshallah for her niyyah and her great desire, inshallah Allah will reward her. So what do we learn in this verse? First of all, we see the great mercy of Allah when He made the house not only a mathaba but also in aman. Because the bait of Allah is a place where people will return again and again. Imagine if it was not a peaceful place. Imagine if wars could be done in those places. If people could fight against one another in that place. Would people go there? No. If people find out that, for example, in Pakistan, there are a lot of killings going on and so on and so forth. Even people who belong to Pakistan, they will not go. Why? Because they're scared. Similarly, if a person is from Egypt, and they know that there are uprisings going on over there and the government is not stable, even if there is wedding in the family, will they go? Only if they have to. Because they're terrified of going back. Because it's not safe. Imagine 
If Makkah was so unstable, would people go there? Nobody would go. So it's a huge blessing of Allah that He did not just make the house of Allah a mathaba, but also a place of security. Then we also learn in this verse that a masjid should be a place that is secure and safe. And each and every one of us is responsible for making the masjid safe and secure. This means that when we are in the masjid, we don't do anything to harm another person, to harm their property at all. Because if people are harmed in the masjid, then tell me, where will they be safe? In the masjid at least, we should have fear of Allah, and we should respect one another, we should care for one another. And this means that if we're in the masjid, we don't abuse the masjid, we don't abuse the people of the masjid. And if we're in the parking lot of the masjid, we don't hit anybody else's car. And if we did hit anybody else's car by mistake, then we take full responsibility, and we go and apologize. The Baytullah is a place that is also aman. And no other place in this world is as secure as Makkah. If you are in any city of this world, you walk out of your hotel at 3 o'clock in the morning and you're all alone, would you ever dare to go? No way. Especially in a place where you're not originally from, you're not that familiar with the place, would you ever dare step out of your hotel? Never. But when it comes to Makkah, when it comes to Baytullah, there are women who will go alone. Even at 2 a.m. There are people everywhere. Even on the street, there are people lying down. But you feel safe and secure over there. This is a special mercy of Allah. So that you are able to do ibadah over there peacefully. Because until unless you do ibadah peacefully, you cannot enjoy it fully. You can't have khushur. That when it comes to Baytullah, remember that it's not Baytullah, the house that we worship, but it in fact, who that we worship? فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ The Lord of that house, meaning Allah. We're actually worshipping Allah and not the Kaaba. The Kaaba is just like a place where people are united, a place where people are focused in one direction. And if you think about it, the house of Allah, it's the most simplest structure that you can ever have. The most simplest structure. Doesn't have a dome, doesn't have pillars on the side, just a cube and that's it. Simple, plain. No figures on it, no statues on it, nothing like that, just plain. And that is something that helps in concentration in prayer. Another way how the Baytullah is a place of security is that despite the fact that people speak all different languages, they're from different backgrounds, different parts of the world, when they perform ibadah, they perform it together. And in this way, there is a certain peace that everybody feels. The person next to you is a complete stranger, total stranger, but still you feel comfortable standing over there because you know that everybody is there. Why? To worship Allah. Another very important thing that we learn in this verse is that when a person does something good, then Allah rewards him abundantly for his action. Ibrahim salam, when he was tested by Allah with some kalimat, Allah said to him that I will make you an imam. And how did Allah make him an imam? That all the people are told to follow his example. And all the people who go for hajj or for umrah or for tawaf, what are they told to do? وَاتَّخِذُوا مِنْ مَقَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمُ مُصَلَّى that when you are there, you worship Allah where Ibrahim worshipped. You worship Allah in the way that Ibrahim worshipped. You stand and pray where Ibrahim put in so much effort in order to construct the Kaaba. Look at how Allah appreciated the efforts of Ibrahim. He not only made him an imam, but he told the people to worship Allah in the same way. Another important lesson that we learn is that when it comes to the house of Allah, it should be kept clean, which means any masjid should be kept clean and it should be kept safe and secure. Any masjid should be kept clean because Allah commanded Ibrahim salam to clean the house. Let's continue. وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ And remember when Ibrahim salam said, رَبِّ جِعَلْ O oh my Lord, you make هَذَا بَلَدًا This city, 
Baladan, Balam Dal is used for a city, a place where people are living. It is Makan Maskun, a place which is populated, a place where people are living. Whether that city is small or big, it doesn't matter. So when Ibrahim a.s. prayed that, Oh Allah, make the city aminan, safe and secure. So Ibrahim a.s. is the one who made dua, that the city be safe and secure, and Allah answered that dua. رَبِّ جَعَلْ هَذَا بَلَدًا آمِنًا And he also made dua that, وَرْزُقْ And you provide. رَازَيْقَافْ أَهْلَهُ Its dwellers, meaning the people who are in the city, provide them with what? مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ Of the fruits. الثَّمَرَاتِ is a plural of ثَمَرَةِ Man, whoever, amana, he believed, minhum from them, billahi wal yawmul akhir. Whoever of them believes in Allah and the last day. Ibrahim a.s. made two du'as over here after he completed the construction of the Kaaba. Because when he completed the construction of the Kaaba, what was the purpose? That now people are going to come here and worship Allah. He was worried that this is a place in the middle of the desert. This is a place which is completely empty, desolate. If people come here, will they ever feel secure? And what if robbers come and attack them? People's lives are in danger. How will they come and worship Allah? You know, if you ever go to a place that's empty, don't you feel insecure? And if you go to a place that's busy, that's full, how do you feel? You feel secure. So Ibrahim a.s. was worried that this place is in the middle of the desert. People will be insecure. So first of all, he made dua that, Oh Allah, make this house, make this city a safe place. A safe place for all those who come and worship Allah here. Secondly, he made dua that those who live here, those who come here, they be provided with a samarat. You may say, why? Because it was in the desert. Which trees grow in the desert? Hardly any. Which crop can grow in the desert? None. You can't have agriculture in the desert. So the people who come there, who live there, what will they eat from? How will they survive? So he made dua that, oh Allah, provide them with fruits. And this is amazing. You go to Makkah and you will find fruits of every season. You might say, yeah, of course, we get that even in Canada. In winter you can have strawberries. In the summer you can have oranges. You can have every fruit in every season. How? Through trade. But think about it. 50 years ago, even 20 years ago, 100 years ago, was that the case over here? Not at all. But in Makkah, from that time, 4,000 years ago, there were fruits of all over the world in Makkah. When people came from all over the world to Makkah in order to worship Allah, they brought with them things that they would want to sell. And amongst that was what? Food as well. So, Warzuq Ahlahu, he prayed that Warzuq Ahlahu min al-thamarat. I remember I was very young and I went for Umrah. I went with my family and I went from Pakistan. And in Pakistan, at that time, strawberries were like hardly there. And I remember we walked into our hotel room and there we saw a fruit platter, strawberries. I was shocked. In Makkah, strawberries, really? It was amazing. This is the blessing of Allah. This is the acceptance of the dua of Ibrahim a.s. وَرْزُقْ أَهْلَهُ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ But he made dua over here. That only provide who? مَنْ آمَنَ مِنْهُمْ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ Only provide those people who believe in Allah and the last day. Why did he put this condition? Only the believers. Because when he made dua, وَمِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِي That also make my children imam, Allah said, that my promise is not for who? For those who do dhul. So Ibrahim a.s. he quickly learned the lesson, that when I make dua, I should only make dua for the righteous, for the believing people. But Allah corrects him again over here. Qala, Allah said, وَمَنْ kafara, And whoever disbelieves, فَأُمَتِّعُهُ Then I will definitely benefit him. For how long? قَلِيلًا A little. 
is all the things of this world that people use, that people benefit from, whether it is food or furniture or housing, clothing, anything, necessities of life. So those who disbelieve, Allah says, فَأُمَتِّعُهُ I will benefit him. He will enjoy this world. But how much? قَلِيلًا A little. Because eventually either those blessings will finish or that person will finish. His enjoyment will only be a little. When he dies, his enjoyment is going to end. His enjoyment is going to finish. A person who believes in the hereafter, what does he think? That when I die, that is when the enjoyment begins. Have you ever thought about that? When a righteous person dies, that is when the enjoyment and the pleasure begins. In this world, he's not enjoying. He knows he's being tested. He's working, he's striving hard. This is why the Prophet ﷺ said that الدنيا سجن المؤمن والجنة للكافر That this world is a sijin, a prison for who? For the believer. A jannah for the disbeliever. Because he enjoys a lot in this world. But then when he dies, then that's an end to his enjoyment. This is why Allah says, فَأُمَتِّعُهُ قَلِيلًا ثُمَّ أَضْطَرُّهُ Then I shall compel him. أَضْطَرُّهُ That I shall compel him. ضَرَر What does ضَرَر mean? ضَرَر is to harm somebody. اِطَّرَّ Is to compel someone to do something that they consider harmful, that they don't like, they consider dangerous. So I shall compel him, I shall force him to what? إِلَىٰ عَذَابِ النَّارِ To the punishment of the fire. وَبِئْسَ الْمَصِيرِ And what a terrible end it is. What a terrible destination it is. Notice the word أَطَّرُّهُ That I shall compel him. Nobody will willingly go to hellfire, obviously. But those people who are guilty, they will deserve to go to hellfire. And they will be made to go there. It's just like in this world. If a person is a criminal, he has done something wrong, will he ever willingly go to the prison? Never. He will never go willingly. But does it mean he should not be sent to the prison? Just because he's being forced? No, he should be sent because he's guilty. Similarly, nobody would want to enter hellfire. But just because they don't want to enter doesn't mean they will not be entered. They will still be made to enter because they are criminals, they are guilty. This is why Allah says, ثُمَّ أَطَّرُّهُ إِلَىٰ عَذَابِ النَّارِ And the punishment of the fire, وَبِئْسَ الْمَصِيرِ What a terrible destination it is. Masir is from Saad Yara. Masir is a place where something ends up. Where something ends up. So Masir, destination. What a terrible place of ending up. Imagine a person goes through the difficulties of this life. He lives so long going through one phase after the other, and then he dies, and then he's in the grave, and then on the day of judgment, such a long day of judgment, and eventually where does he end up? In the hellfire. What a terrible place to end up at. Imagine if you're traveling across the continents, and it's a very long journey. Imagine you have multiple stopovers, and every stopover you have to stay over there for hours and hours. What keeps you going? That finally the end is good. And when you reach your good end, whatever difficulty that you have suffered in that entire journey, do you forget about that difficulty? Yes. You wonder, was it worth it? You say yes. But if a person ends up in a terrible destination, then وَبِئْسَ masir. A person goes through entire life, the day of judgment, the barzakh, and where does he end up? In hellfire. وَبِئْسَ masir. Recitation. وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ رَبِّ جَعَلْ هَذَا بَلَدًا آمِنًا وَارْزُقْ أَهْلَهُ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ مَنْ آمَنَ مِنْهُمْ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ 
So what do we learn in this verse? That in this world, every person enjoys, whether he's a believer or a disbeliever. Because Ibrahim made dua that وَرْزُقْ أَهْلَهُ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ مَنْ آمَنَ مِنْهُمْ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ Only give to who? The believers. But Allah says, I will also give to who? وَمَنْ كَفَرَ فَأُمَتِّعُهُ قَلِيلًا For a short while and a little enjoyment. But then eventually there is punishment. In this world, everybody enjoys. Just because somebody is having a good time in this world, doesn't mean they're a good person? Not necessarily. Because a righteous person and a sinful person both enjoy the benefits of this world. But the akhirah is only for who? It is only for those who are obedient to Allah. We learn in this verse that no matter how righteous a person may be, no matter what high level he has attained, still he needs to make dua to Allah. Ibrahim he was made the imam of all people. But yet, look at him. Is he making dua? Is he praying to Allah? Yes, he is. So no matter how righteous a person may think he has become, he still needs to make dua to Allah. He still needs to humble himself before Allah. This is why we see that the Prophet ﷺ, did he make dua? Of course he did. Have you seen a book which has a collection of masnoon duas? So many there are. What does it show? How much dua the Prophet ﷺ used to make? For example, before the battle of Badr, how he stood in prayer for so long that his shawl fell. And Abu Bakr was wishing that the Prophet ﷺ would stop now. But he kept making dua. He kept making dua. So we all need to make dua to Allah. Then we also learn in this ayah that we need to make dua in order to get what we want. A person might say, I don't need to make dua because whatever Allah has decreed for me, it will happen. And whatever Allah has not decreed for me, it will never happen. Think about it, isn't that logical? You say that yes, I am preparing for the test. If Allah has decreed that I should pass the test, I will pass. And if Allah has decreed that I should fail the test, I will fail. So why bother making dua? Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever thought of this? That I don't want to make dua because you know Allah has, maybe He has destined something else for me. Or whatever He has destined is going to come to me anyway. What's the answer to that? Dua can also change destiny. It can also change fate. Dua is a means of getting to what Allah has decreed for you. Dua is a means of getting to what Allah has decreed for you. The house of Allah, Ibrahim prayed that Allah make it safe. And Allah did make it safe. He made dua and Allah did make it safe. If dua did not have any effect, then Allah would never ask us to do dua. Because it would be a useless act. If it did not have any effect, if it did not have any consequences, Allah would not ask us to make dua. But if Allah has asked us to make dua, it shows that it does have an effect. This is just like a person says, I'm not going to eat. If Allah wants that I should stay alive, I will live, even if I'm the most hungriest person in this world. And if Allah wants me to die, then I will die, even if my stomach is full to my mouth. Okay, don't eat. And what's going to happen? The person will die eventually. Because what is the means of staying alive? Eating. So eating is a step, is a part of the process to keep you alive. Similarly, dua is a part of the process of getting what Allah has already destined for you.
Dua is a part of the process of getting what Allah has already destined for you. This is why make dua. Always make dua. Never think there's no need. Because if there was no need, Allah would never tell us. And we see in the Qur'an, Allah has mentioned many stories of the people of the past that when they made dua, Allah accepted their dua. When they prayed, Allah accepted their prayers. And Allah responded to them. So their dua was a means of getting to what they wanted. This is a very important lesson that we must remember. Then we also learn in this verse about the compassion that Ibrahim had for all believers. That how he made dua for all people who were to come and live in that city and all people who were to come and worship Allah over there. Because he's making dua that, Oh Allah, make this place safe. Make this place a source of risk. A place where people are given risk. Don't let them go hungry. It shows how much compassion he had for the rest of the believers and we should also have that. Then we also learn how much adab, proper etiquette Ibrahim had, how quickly he learned lessons. Previously we learned that when Allah said that my promise is not for those who do wrong, then when he made dua, he said only for the believers. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala corrected him again, but it just shows how quickly he learned. This is why Allah says, وَإِذِي بَتَلَىٰ إِبْرَاهِيمَ رَبُّهُ بِكَلِمَاتٍ فَأَتَمَّهُنْ Any command, any instruction, whether small or big that Allah gave him, what was the attitude of Ibrahim a.s.? He accepted and obeyed promptly. And that's the same attitude that we should also have. Many times we say, oh not a big deal, not a big deal. No, it is a big deal. Because who is telling you? Allah is telling you. And if Allah is telling you, then that is definitely a big deal. Let's listen to the recitation. Ya Bani Israel, azkuru ni'matiya allati an'amtu alaykum wa anni faddaltukum ala al-alameen. واتقوا يوما لا تجزي نفس عن نفس شيئا ولا يقبل منها عدل ولا تنفعها شفاعة ولا هم ينصرون وإذ ابتلى إبراهيم ربه بكلمات فأتمهن قال إني جاعلك للناس إماما قال ومن ذريتي قال لا ينال عهد الظالمين وَإِذْ جَعَلْنَا الْبَيْتَ مَثَابَةً لِلنَّاسِ وَأَمْنًا وَاتَّخِذُوا مِنْ مَقَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ مُصَلَّى وَعَهِدْنَا إِلَى إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْمَاعِيلَ أَنْ طَهِّرَا بَيْتِي أَنْطَهِرَا بَيْتِيَ لِلطَّائِفِينَ وَالْعَاكِفِينَ وَالرُّكَّعِ السُّجُودِ وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ رَبِّ جَعَلْ هَذَا بَلَدًا آمِنًا وَارْزُقْ أَهْلَهُ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ مَنْ آمَنَ مِنْهُمْ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ قَالَ وَمَنْ كَفَرَ فَأُمَتِّعُهُ قَلِيلًا ثُمَّ أَضْطَرُّهُ إِلَى 
وَبِئْسَ الْمَصِيرُ